Well, happy Sunday and welcome to all of you in Southern Ontario and Western New York and certainly by way of our stream or our archives. Welcome to all of you from around the world. We are so glad you're investing this time with us and trust that today's discussion will inspire you to a greater vision. It will empower you to love more deeply and provoke you to a closer walk with Jesus. And let me say first a heartfelt thank you to all of you who have so faithfully supported this ministry in your tithes and your offerings and all of you who are supporting this program with your prayers and your attendance. Uh, below is a link that will guide you to our website giving portal and if you would like to donate that's how you would do it. Uh, I, I ran into an amazing promise that Jesus made when he was having dinner with a group of Pharisees. I'd like to share that with you. Uh, they were bothered that Jesus didn't wash his hands before eating, uh, which I'm sure was a, a setup from him to talk about the deeper issues of cleaning the inside of the cup rather than just the outside. Uh, but he ended the discussion with a promise that is tied to our financial donations. And he said, uh, to give alms, or it's a word for donations, of such things as you have. And then indeed, all things are clean to you. And you know, what an amazing promise to lay hold of in our day. When you make your donations, declare over your life and family and over everyone at work and church and your neighborhood that all things are clean to us. You know, that's Jesus' prom Jesus's promise. And, and that's why he didn't need to wash his hands. Now, you can certainly wash your hands and do whatever helps us to help others, uh, but do so knowing that all things are clean to us and that there is nothing to fear. Thanks in advance for believing in us and believing in the work that we are doing to unpack the teachings of Jesus, the teachings of the New Testament, until the whole world sees Jesus. And welcome to July in our, our new teaching series, Burning Bright. And we trust you will be blessed by each of the discussions this month. And let me encourage you to connect with us in one of the many ways to do so. Certainly hit the subscribe and the notification buttons below. But further to that, uh, Light City has so many amazing environments and powerful tools that will help you to increase the octane of your walk with Jesus, particularly if you would like online personal prayer, there are prayer ministers available after service who would love to connect their faith with yours and to be a part of the miracle that God has in store for you. Or perhaps you're hoping for an inspirational life group to join. These are Zoom-based open forum groups that you can jump, just jump in on and see uh, just being involved can significantly boost your world and deepen your relationship with God and others who are seeking after him. You can find these specific links down below in the description or simply shoot a note out to info at golightcity.com and we'll help you get started. And if you'll hang with me for just a few minutes today, I'd like to talk with you for a bit about the topic of burning bright. I'm often struck by the stories in the gospels that give real life accounts of so many different people coming to find Jesus. Certainly, Jesus' ministry was a traveling ministry, so uh, he would uh, eventually be coming to a town near you. Uh, but even so, it doesn't mean people would need to come out and see him. 
And there are many examples of people who have perhaps heard about the miracles Jesus performed and were attracted to him for this very reason. But here's a couple of examples that may surprise you. There was this fellow named Nicodemus. He was a religious ruler, part of the group that vehemently hated Jesus. And then there was this other guy uh, we call the rich young ruler. Uh, we really don't know his actual name, uh, but just that he was rich and uh, young and uh, a ruler. And these guys didn't need a miracle for themselves. They didn't need a free lunch. They didn't need Jesus to heal them or heal someone that they loved. And so why were they wanting to find Jesus? What was it about him that they took the great risk of seeking him out? Imagine if Nicodemus's fellow religious leaders found out that he had gone looking for answers from the captain of the other team. No doubt this is why he came to find Jesus in the middle of the night. You know, I have this picture in my mind of the woman caught in adultery frantically running from her, for her life, chased by these religious zealots of the day. And then off in a distance, she could see another religious leader. But instead of veering away from him, she runs toward him and falls at his feet. What did all these people see in Jesus? Why were they seeking him out? What did they think he had? You know, these people are not unlike many of us today, prosperous, healthy, strong, connected. And you may not feel like you win first prize in any of these categories, but compared to the average human that has ever lived, we are certainly in the top 1% in these metrics. And so perhaps by digging into their stories, into their lives, it would help us in our ability to understand why we seek after Jesus and why and where the gravity is coming from. You know, that pull to seek after Jesus. Even if you've just popped onto our stream, it's because there is something in Jesus that got you here. You know, this is kind of my story. When I came to really embrace Jesus and his teachings, it wasn't because I needed a miracle. It wasn't that I needed something uh, for him to do for me. It wasn't really even that I needed someone to save me from the penalty of my sins. I mean, I surely did, but that wasn't part of my psyche at the time. I was the typical upwardly mobile professional and executive working for one, a major car company, and I had a beautiful wife and three amazing children. I'm sure my life uh, uh, had a few struggles, but nothing I can remember as I look back on it. Probably you can identify with this today, just like the rich young ruler or, or Nicodemus or maybe even the frantic woman. May perhaps my story is you are looking for something from Jesus. It isn't something on the outside, though. It's something you feel, you see, you sense on the inside. Your heart knows he has something that is vastly important for you. And we're going to try to unpack that in our time together today and really for the rest of this month. You see, I think our heart knows we were made to be more than we are right now. As good or as challenging as your life may be for you, it's like we are being gently nudged to discover more about who 
and what we really are. I think this is what's going on with these several people I mentioned a minute ago. They could see that Jesus was more and they wanted to know what he knew. I mean, consider what Nicodemus said to Jesus when he first met him. He asked, how do I do? How do you do what you do? Talking about the miracles that Jesus was now famous for. But he was asking with an expectation that Jesus would explain how it was done so that Nicodemus could do it too. <laughs> what? Something Nico saw or felt or knew led him to think that. Listen to what, what the rich young ruler said to Jesus after tracking him down. It's maybe even more revealing. He asked, what should I do that I might inherit eternal life? And this has got to be a bit veiled in our modern terminology because we've come to think that he's asking about how to get to heaven when he dies. But that wasn't the context of his question. It would have been better to say it this way. What could I do to live the supernatural life that I can see that you are living right now? You see, that word eternal means without beginning or end, and it refers to the kind of life that only God has. Our tradition says this means the kind of life we get after we die. But that's not what this guy was asking. You see, the word inherit is a word that means to uh, obtain by right of an inheritance. And we all know we inherit something when someone else dies, not when we die. You only get an inheritance if you are the one alive at the time. Anyhow, have you been able to put yourself into the mind of one of these guys? Or perhaps that frantic woman running from her, for her life, perceiving something very different in the preacher in front of her than in the killer mob behind her. You know, he was a man. He was a religious guy. And that should mean trouble. But she runs straight for him. Looking into their eyes, what do you see? I think we get a glimpse from the Apostle John in chapter 1 of his gospel account. John wrote this in verse 4, that in him, uh, Jesus, was life. And the life was the light of men. It says there that Jesus was full of life. And this life was what was visible to all the humans that saw him. And verse 5 goes on to say, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness could not comprehend it. I think what John is saying is that this light that shone from Jesus was the light shining in the darkness. But those who were looking at him were unable to grasp what they were looking at. Jesus was something they had never perceived before. And they each individually wanted to know more. You know, the Bible has so many references to this metaphor of light and darkness. But God defined here what he means by that term. By saying the life Jesus displayed was a beacon of light that shone 
into the darkness of this world. You know, Matthew, one of the other disciples, picks up on this when he describes the beginning of Jesus's ministry by quoting an Old Testament prophet, a, a guy named Isaiah. The people who sat in darkness, he said, will see a great light. You know, have you ever met someone who is full of life? Like they are overflowing at the seams? <laughs> Perhaps it's easier to imagine a small child with effervescent eyes and boundless energy. But how often have you seen that in an adult? You know, I think that's the same human landscape that the rich young ruler and perhaps uh, the, the religious leader encountered every day. One of them might have said when they were a child that riches and power would give me this effervescence. Perhaps the other person uh, thinking uh, a life devoted to the law would surely be abounding, only to find that life did not come from these places. You know, maybe that's what the prophet meant when he said the adults would be sitting in darkness. Now, here's the math. If light means life, then darkness means a lack of life. As I've said before, there really isn't anything such thing as darkness. It's really only the absence of light. And these adults could have had a measure of life. Uh, they were certainly warm and breathing but still not have the level of life that they perceived Jesus had. And then one day, along came this man who had clearly found a different way. And they wanted to know everything he knew. Is this you today? Is this what you are looking for? Do you have the sense that there is more life than what you are experiencing right now? You know, Jesus said something very interesting to the, the crowd that had been watching that standoff between Jesus and that rock-toting mob who were looking to execute the frantic adulterous woman. You see, the angry mob had dispersed by this time, and Jesus said to the crowd of onlookers, I am the light of the world, and he who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. <laughs> well, who thinks this is a weird thing for him to say at this particular moment? We read that Jesus was asking the people to subscribe perhaps to his YouTube channel or, uh, you know, this is how you get the light of life. Uh, Johnny, tell them with three easy payments. You know, I don't think that's what Jesus was doing. You know, perhaps Jesus was still in the frantic woman encounter when he said that. You see, at the end of the standoff, when the mob dropped their rocks and started to make their way off, Jesus turned to the woman and he said to her, I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. Can you see that if she received those words and instructions from Jesus, life was increased in her? You see, Jesus was neither condemning her, nor was he condoning the mistakes that she had made. He was disconnecting her from the judgment and the punishment of her past, a past she could never unlive. 
and simultaneously empowering her future with the truth. A future that had not yet been written. One that was completely within her power to choose or change. He see, he was loving her in all the right places. So she no longer needs to walk around in darkness, but can have the light of life. All she needed to do was follow his words. All she needed to do was follow him. You know, the metaphor of light and darkness makes the journey ridiculously simple. If you find yourself sitting in the dark or lifelessness, then find the light and head toward it. And perhaps this is what Jesus was saying when he said to her, follow me. So let's talk about some practical things that will help us all head toward the light. Luke, uh, one of the gospel writers, ran with this light and darkness metaphor thing when he was recounting what Jesus said after going toe-to-toe with a bunch of religious scholars. Here's the account of what Jesus said. The lamp of the body is the eye. And therefore, when the eye is good, the whole body also is full of light. But when your eye is bad, your your body is also full of darkness. Therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not actually darkness. And so broadly speaking, What we perceive with our five physical senses gets into our heart. Now, of course, Luke is being specific about eyes and light in the metaphor that he's using, uh, maybe because it would be weird for him to say the light was going in your ears. Uh, So we can conclude that what we hear or feel or imagine or perceive, these are all passageways into our heart. He's talking here about doing inventory on what kind of light has gotten into our belief systems. Because if it's actually darkness pretending to be light, then it steals life from us and needs to be trashed. So how do you know if the light is light or if the light is actually darkness? I think I hear you asking, uh, doesn't everyone think their light is light? Well, yes, this is very true. And it makes this simple calculation somewhat challenging for us as humans. We easily brush over Jesus' words thinking they must apply to someone else. You see, each of us took a long time to decide what we believe to be true. It took millions of experiences and years of our lives. And so most of us are quite reluctant to just throw it away. But Luke started out this piece of scripture with a super helpful life hack. He said, Jesus started out by saying, no one lights a lamp and hides it under a basket. Instead, they put it on a lampstand so that those who come can see our light. So here's the good news. Whatever is in your heart is also visible in your life. If your prediction of your future is dark, then there's light missing in your heart. If your opinion of yourself is poor, then there's light that you still need. 
if your thoughts about others are harsh, then exchanging light for darkness will benefit you. If you think you're going to run out of time or money or health or friends or anything else that you would want or need, then there is light for you. There's life for you. And Jesus' advice on how to get that light, the kind of light that produces this effervescent life that everybody could see on Jesus, he simply said, follow me. Easy enough. We simply follow him. Or if you're already following, take inventory on what is going into your eyes and your ears, what you're seeing or hearing, perceiving or imagining. And, you know, this is how we accelerate our journey. We become proactive by removing the things that feed us darkness and opening up our hearts to the things that feed us light. You know, here's a a 30-day challenge for you during this month of July. Number one, make a list of the top 10 things that make you feel lifeless. Then make a list of the top 10 things that make you feel full of life. Now take the top three on the lifeless list and just stop doing them for a month. And use that time that you save to double up on the top three things that give you life. Maybe just put a reminder in your phone for a month from now and check back with me and let me know how it turned out. Before we sign off this week, let me just pray for you. If the message has spoken to you and you can feel that this challenge is for you, put your hand over your heart and pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I know you are the light. And this light could be seen by men. Your over-the-top life was evident to everyone who met you. Jesus, I want this life. Help me to decipher light from darkness in my own life. Holy Spirit, help me to see the light that I need. I am more than willing to make the exchange. From this moment forward, I declare that I am a child of light, that my life is burning bright, and I'm not going to stop letting my light burn brightly until the whole world sees Jesus. Amen. Also, if there's someone watching me today that has never stepped into the light, never really decided to follow Jesus, You know, this is your day to make that decision. Today's discussion will have made sense to you, but more so, you'll just sense that this is your day. This is what you want. And you're really ready for this adventure. Let me encourage you to put your hand over your heart, take a solemn moment with the Lord, and pray this simple prayer after me. Say this, say, Jesus, I can see the life you offer, a life that disconnects me from my past mistakes and, and failures and any judgment or punishment that would have eventually caught up to me. Jesus, you are offering me a life filled with truth and the endless grace I'm going to need to work it all out. That is what I want. 
I'm so sorry for the mistakes that I've made and the time I have wasted making them. But I know that you are in the resurrection business. Thank you for loving me so much that you died on the cross to restore me to my heavenly Father. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so that he can guide me into the truth and show me things to come. I want my life to burn brightly. In your name I pray, amen. Well, if you prayed that prayer for the first time with me, then there's one more thing I need you to do. Just hit that button below so that we can send you a bunch of free information to help you connect with us and to turbo boost your life following Jesus. And to everyone else, send us a note with your comments at info at golightcity.com. Listen, thanks for joining in the discussion today. And go ahead and sign up for those Zoom groups or after service online prayer that we're offering. Thanks in advance for all your financial support. And let's keep on going until the whole world sees Jesus. Love you all.